What's up, everyone, and welcome to Through the Veil, episode number 20. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and on today's podcast, we have my friend Christopher Gunlock, who is a MHS in integrative medicine and works closely with the board of directors here for the Psychedelic Society of Minnesota. In this episode, we talk a ton of things about psychedelics, about integration, about health, about how to be the best version of yourself. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please share it out with a friend. That's the best way to help spread the podcast. And also consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review if you feel so called to do that. Without any further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Sweet, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on. Um, if you can give the audience a little bit of an intro of yourself and kind of tell everyone who you are, what you do, and sort of how you've gotten where you are. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I guess it all started, uh, well, uh, big topic of my life now is psychedelics and so I, I usually started with my first mushroom experience when I was 17 really kicked it off as easily the most interesting thing I had ever done by far and uh, so just it just immediately started um, a lifelong obsession interest and just fascination um, I, I just basically continued from there uh, exploring my consciousness in every way I could um, uh, unfortunately, it, it you know being a young kid exploring these these illicit substances, I had to be very secretive, and um, I was I was kind of out there on my own, uh, figuring things out as I went. Um, you know, there there are books here and there, but you know, I'm, this we're talking like 15 years ago. You know, this this was basically before the the new Renaissance, as they say. You know, the third wave. Um, it was maybe just kind of getting started at that point. I mean, they, they, sometimes they say it was 1994 when Rick Strassman put out his first DMT study. It sort of got, got going. But even then, it, 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 it took some time to really right. get some headway. And so, um, yeah, just for a long time, I was, I was just, it was just the number one thing on my list. I was like, I have to understand this stuff. Because mm. the, the, the way it opened my mind, it, it, it showed me... Uh, layers of truth that I didn't think were even possible. Right. Like, like it was, it was that moment when I realized, oh, your perception is a variable. Yeah. It, it's not necessarily static. Right. And that blew my mind. It absolutely, I had, I had no idea. I mean, as a kid, you know, you, you have dreams and like, you know, your imagination and stuff, but you're always told those are not real. Right. Meaningless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meaningless. Like it's, it's just your imagination. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, I believe very differently now. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all part of the something very real. But um, when you could like do something under your control and sort of craft an experience, that was really mm -hmm. it. It told me, okay, there's something here that is is real, is true. Um, but it still took a bit of rebelliousness to yeah. to, to continue on down that road. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did, uh, it, it, the, the, sort of the first stop along the way was, uh, this meditation school, uh, the Maharishi University of Management is called at the time, uh, they just changed the name now to the, uh, Maharishi International University. Um, it's this, it's this weird little school down in Fairfield, Iowa. It's like literally in the middle of a bunch of cornfields, like really isolated in a town of like 10,000 people. And, um, the school itself is only a couple thousand people. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say my psychedelic experiences very much led me to seek that out. And it was, it was basically the first time that I saw a connection between the psychedelic states of consciousness mm -hmm. and other like non-drug related states of consciousness. Yeah. The, the, the types of things they would talk about, like they have this whole Vedic philosophy mm -hmm. that comes from like an ancient form of Hinduism. Mm -hmm. And they have these, this like hierarchy of states of consciousness, cosmic consciousness, God consciousness, unity consciousness. And when they would describe it, I'd be like, oh, mushrooms, <laughs> LSD. <there. laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Very like the qualitative mm -hmm. like experience of like seeing yourself in, in the outside world right. and having so sort of these projections of your mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, oh, they get it. Right. Like they understand. It's like, okay, I need to learn this meditation thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I did, I spent like some of the best three years of my life there and like just being surrounded by other, other people my age. And I mean, all kinds of folks is a whole community of meditators. And it was just this magical experience. They literally called it a bubble, you know, like this bubble for outside of the real world. Right. But the ironic thing is it felt more real than the real world yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I was, I'm sure you experienced like, you know, you, 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 when you get a chance to kind of, uh, get out of the city, you know, um, you know, have, have kind of little commune, com, uh, communal experiences with people. Um, that's when, you know, you peel the layers away, you yeah. see the real stuff. And, um, but my life has sort of been this up and down journey of that. Like, cause I graduated from there, had all these wonderful experiences and ins insights and inspirations. I was like, I was super pumped. Like, oh man, I'm going to go out in the world. I'm going to change things. I'm going to like help kind of wake people up yeah. and like get, get this like, revolution going um but coming back it was really tough like mm -hmm. like I, I i came back to minneapolis mm -hmm. um i started math tutoring that right. was kind of i majored in mathematics when i was in my undergrad and so i was like okay let's try this and you know see what happens and um it was nice kind of like being uh, my own boss you know just sort of kind of like freelancing mm -hmm. and stuff and um but slowly kind of the 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 world sort of creeping in and like mm -hmm. like constant questioning all the things that i had experienced right. the and lessons start to slip away yeah like, oh. yeah yeah i'm like is it like really real is it like that mm -hmm. and and so i actually went through a period of um i don't know like four or five years um it my world started getting like darker mm -hmm. it started getting um just just more I mean, less healthy, yeah. you know, in yeah. a physical way, even. Mm -hmm. um, I went through a period, actually, I, 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 I had a, a pretty major um, uh, digestive, uh, like, autoimmune situation. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a combination of a few things, but, um, like, I, I had a really challenging relationship with food and um, my health overall, a lot of weird symptoms. And so that then sparked this kind of journey of, like, okay, you know, it's not just like your mind, right. it's, it's connected to yeah. everything else. And, and so, um, I started questioning like, like the, uh, the food and drug industry as a whole and like going out from there into like basically all of man-made stuff like has the ability to, uh, like alter your, your, your kind of harmony with yourself mm -hmm. and your environment. So that kind of began sort of my, my health journey. It was like, okay, we, we need to be attentive to all these things. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that's actually when, like, the the world of, like, altered states of consciousness and higher states of consciousness, psychedelics and meditation started to really become more relevant again yeah. to me. I was like, okay, yeah, it, this is, this, like, your mind is crucial to keeping all of that mm -hmm. together. Yeah. You know, it's like, on one hand, you could learn the facts, like, oh, this is bad for me, this is good for right. me. But actually doing it, yes, exactly. Like creating that lifestyle, it's all connected. You have to like your 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 motivation, your belief system, mm -hmm. your intentions have to all be in line with that. And um, and then luckily, this is kind of when I started to see some of the the new psychedelic studies come out too. Uh, some of the brain imaging stuff that was really making some headlines in the academic world, and um, and so I was like, oh all right, maybe this is, like, a possibility again. Because um, I'd actually kind of given up on psychedelics for a little while. Like, like going to the meditation school, they, they actually, they did not like any right. kind of, like, no. mind-altering <laughs> substances. Like, mm -hmm. just meditate. Like, yeah. that's it. And, like, I, on one hand, I respect that because the community that they formed, it was this little bubble of, like, everything revolved around the meditation. Right. Yeah. Like, their whole lifestyle, their schedule from, mm -hmm. from, from morning to night. It all revolved around like specific times to meditate. Everybody like meditated together at the same time in the same place, um, and it was a beautiful thing. Like if you can do that, do it. It yeah, works. Yeah. Like it really, really works. Yeah. Like they got that figured out. Um, but that's not how the rest of the world is. <laughs> we live in a very chaotic place. You know, people um, have you know all these conflicts that. You, you've got a nine to five, you're working a cubicle or, you know, your, your, your friends think meditating is weird. And, you know, it's just very, very contrary to this idealistic lifestyle. And so uh, eventually I realized like, look, we need help. We need, we need everything that all the tools in the toolkit. Um, so, uh, uh, oh yeah. So I, I went back to school to get my graduate degree. Um, I, I looked into uh, integrative medicine. Uh, it's kind of the new buzzword around. Um, it's sort of what's replaced uh, alternative medicine sure. um, because alternative sort of implies that it's like somehow inferior right. to. Not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it, you know it's okay, but the reality is like alternative medicine is exactly what's missing for medicine, and right. so that's why I liked like how integrative medicine mm -hmm. is kind of coming about, and it's actually showing up in some of the mainstream. Um, medical institutions, right. you're seeing like integrated medicine doctors and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I got a degree in integrated medicine and um, that's also where I started to um, engage more in um, like the, the academics of psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I, I um, did a few like uh, papers in my um, program on psychedelics and sort of interfacing with uh, a lot of the students in my program are MDs and um, uh, uh, nurse practitioners yeah. and my professors were, were medical doctors and so I got to sort of bounce those ideas off them and see like, hey, you know, is, is this something that like people like you would be interested in? Right. And turns out they're they're down oh, for it. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I got super pumped. I was like, okay, this is an option. Like, right. like we're, things are actually changing. Yeah. Um, and then... I don't know, serendipitously or whatever, but um, I ran into uh, Jessica Nielsen of the Psychedelic Society at the time of Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. um, she was giving a lecture on her ayahuasca research for PTSD. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, I just, I, I just, I don't remember how I even saw it. It was at the Lake Herod spiritual community. Sure, yeah. Um, and, and so she was doing a talk and like she'd mentioned, she started this little psychedelic society yeah. thing. And it was like literally right at the beginning. So yeah. it was very small, like just a, just a handful of people kind of were involved, but they were having meetings. The first meeting I went to was just this little 4th of July hangout at the beach, mm-hmm. uh, right here at, uh, it was Lake Calhoun at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I got to sit down with a few other people, yeah. you know, us like psychonaut people and we found the others. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was like the feeling is like, we're all sort of coming from different places, mm-hmm. different lives, but coming together around this one idea. And, um, it really kind of reminded me a lot of my, my old meditation community at the Maharishi place. And, um, and that's what I really appreciate, um, you know, we, we live in a world where so many of our circles of friends are formed around like our job yeah. or yeah. our just our family, you know, the people we just kind of have to be around. So when we can sort of choose to be around people based around something more meaningful, like mm-hmm. expanding your consciousness right. or exploring spirituality and stuff like that, that really like makes me feel like good. Yeah. Just it's a it's a good feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah. It's so interesting because there's like 10 things I want to touch on in your story. Okay. Yeah. Very, now, very interesting. That's far enough into the story. We can, <laughs> we, can, we can close the loop as we go. Mm. Um, so I guess the first thing that's really interesting to me is that what I, I find a lot with people I've seen with either deep meditation or use of psychedelics, and this is kind of the period you experienced after the meditation mm. center, is that to go back to this normal disconnected life, you almost have to pile twice as much bullshit back on top of yourself as you had before. So whether that's addictions in the mm. form of alcohol, in the form of weed, in the form of whatever it might be, yeah, people, it's like you've you've peeked your head above the surface and you've seen like the totality of everything. You're like, oh shit, okay, there's a lot up there. Yeah. And to like try and pull the wool back over your own eyes requires so much, whether it's eating, whether whatever the habits mm-hmm. might be. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interesting commonality I keep finding with people. Some cool. people have their first experience or their first, and even like meditation, I think it's takes a little bit longer to get there but it's almost like you go back to the normal world you feel disconnected because you don't have other people who are having those same experiences yeah and then you're like oh okay well i guess it's just me and that's painful yeah. so now i need to numb the pain yeah yeah um, it's unfortunate but yeah i i think you're right there's, there's some sort of like hero's journey in it or something mm-hmm. like the fall from grace right and then the 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 climb back up yeah. uh because you appreciate it more when when you when you experience both extremes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as, as much as like I, I I I wish I didn't have to go through that dark period in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would know what I know or be as convicted right. now as if I hadn't. It's like, or know how to talk to people about it, which yeah. I think like Joseph Campbell calls it master of two worlds as a step of the hero's journey. Mm, mm. And that's the idea that as you get back from getting the treasure from the dragon that you defeated, you yeah. get back home and everything's unfamiliar and everything's different. And it's not because what you were around has changed, it's because you have changed. Yeah. So a big step of that return home is like, how can you become the master of both worlds? How can you sim- yeah. simultaneously hold the person you've become and the things you've learned 
at the same time understand that the world you came back to is still the world it was. Yeah. And you need to integrate those two. Yeah, bring you can't them forget. You can't forget that even if you've changed, the, the the world as a whole moves slower. Yeah. You know, I mean we, we want collective change for right. sure, but um, we have to reconnect with it. And, and yeah, I could totally relate more to kind of the the, the, the kind of pain and trauma and suffering mm -hmm. that, that so many of us go through. Yeah. Uh, I think if I hadn't had that myself, you know, I, I, it, it'd be harder for me to communicate with people. Yeah, to yeah just to relate to the, the, just the common suffering. It's so key. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's weird that we sort of have to, like, go down to that level. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, if you don't do that, what's the point? If you can't connect with people... What's the point? Just, you know, I don't live in the woods for the rest of your life, exactly. you know, have your, you know, nice experience out there, but we're, we're, we're connected creatures. I, I just don't think that's, I mean, maybe a few people out there can do that. Yeah, yeah totally agree. Yeah. And I think the, the interesting thing, and I, I think that with intentional meditation communities, the, the beauty in it is it creates, like you said, a bubble in which you can exist and you can gain a lot of knowledge very quickly and you can see a different way to live, which is an amazing thing. Yeah. But then the work is in the integrating that in day-to-day -day life and understanding, like this is something yeah. I've had to learn over and over again, is whatever my experience is in the psychedelic space or even the meditation space, I need to, the impetus is on me to find ways to language that so that it's accessible for people who have no experience. Absolutely. Because you get deep into something where you've spent three years there, mm -hmm. and you've got all your terminology and all your jargon that you know each other, and then you go home, you try to tell it to your parents, and your parents are like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the work is in the not only understanding but also being understood and how can i share this with people? yeah that's such a big part of i think even your internal integration because um when when you challenge yourself to put something into words mm -hmm. you're also challenging yourself to understand it in more concrete ways yeah. it's like that old saying of the teacher learns more than the student yeah it's it's really that way and um and that and that that bubble experience though like it's it's something I wish um, like I, I I wish more people could have that because because it, it really does propel that journey forward because because uh, if you spend your whole life kind of just in this like chaotic mess yeah. that that this 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 human creation um, you never think oh there could be something better mm -hmm. right exactly. yeah I mean I, I certainly wouldn't have believed. Um, like if I had never been exposed to psychedelics mm -hmm. or a meditation community, I might just be just continuing life in, you know, whatever kind of mediocre average way, right. not being inspired to do anything different. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm so thankful, you know, to have that little peak above the clouds. Yeah, exactly. Cause it really like I even, even, I don't know, 10 years later, I still I still reference that yeah. in terms of like what keeps me going, you know, mm -hmm. why why do I keep like working towards to see a very almost impossible goal? Yeah. Well, because I've seen it. Yeah, exactly. I know it's there. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's possible. Right. Like no matter how like dark things seem, mm -hmm. humans have this amazing potential. Yeah. And we've, you know, what else is there to do if but yeah, exactly. to pursue <laughs> that? It's so important. It's 
I think psychedelic experiences, this is something I tell people often, that they can be a, a glimpse at a new set point for happiness or a new yeah. set point for how your life can be. And they're useful in that way because then you have something to aim at. And this is why yeah. I think there's such powerful adjuncts to meditation is because the psychedelic state is the state you're trying to get to if you meditate extremely, like, intentionally and for a long right. period of time. Right. So they can be a glimpse at what you're aiming at, because often people, I'm sure you've experienced, you try to teach them how to meditate, and yeah. it's like, well, nothing's happening. And it's yeah. like, do it for a month, <laughs> and tell me on the last day of the month how you felt. Yeah. Then it's totally different, but that's yeah. hard, where psychedelics can give them a narrow experience, six hours, and go... This is what we're aiming at. Yeah, there's a really good relationship between psychedelics and meditation. Yeah. I, I, I've, with being involved in the psychedelic society now, I, I've been actually surprised, but at this point I'm like, okay, it makes sense. How many people say uh, either psychedelics inspired them to meditate or mm -hmm. med meditating inspired them to try psychedelics? Yeah. There's, there's both, but uh, they're, they're, they complement each other so well. Yeah. Like, and, and, and like, as I was saying, the, the Vedic philosophy of um, these higher states of consciousness, um, it's a similar kind of thing. You don't get to those, those higher states of consciousness until you have like a regular experience of what they call transcendental consciousness, mm. which is where you go when you meditate. Right. And, and so as you integrate more this transcendental consciousness with, with your normal consciousness, that's where these, these new layers of consciousness start to develop and, and yeah, you can get a glimpse of that with psychedelics, right. but it's just a glimpse, and, yeah. and we, we have to keep that in mind. Exactly. Um, I remember when I was first uh, experimenting with psychedelics, I got so frustrated. I was like, oh my god, like, like, like the, the tail end of the, the trip, mm. when I could literally feel it wearing off, I'd just be no. like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> like, like, how could this not be all the time i want it to be forever yeah yeah and it frustrated me to know and this is before i understood meditation at all and yeah. i was like how can i make this like real like all the time and because it just it you, you, you get that feeling when you're when you're tripping like it doesn't feel like like a drug so much as just your brain sort of like let off the chains yeah. right it's almost like pure presence is the way i look at it like sure. you're so in the moment that your ego dissolves yeah like it's it's a natural capability even right like it like the the drug sort of like turns the key mm -hmm. and then allows our brain to do what it's meant to do yeah. and um so i just couldn't help but like like think like this is possible it's got to be possible and yeah lo and behold uh, yeah i found there's definitely some methods yeah, exactly. <laughs> holotropic breathing being a fucking powerful one yeah oh you've been getting into that at, yeah i've done a couple sessions of it like, okay that's actually that's real tripping just yeah. the same yeah okay. interesting it's all built in yeah um what i found i always call mushrooms specifically and ayahuasca to the same extent but i call them sort of like the divine spotlight in that they'll illuminate things for you and the impetus is on you to then go do the work yes and this yes. is a feeling that people often get i often get near the end of a trip is like this fear because you sort of know what you need to go do now, but now you have to go do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, wait, I just want to be in bliss where I'm being yeah. shown everything. Like, come back, come back. And I think it's a helpful way to think about these states is like, it's a spotlight. It's going to shine the, the spotlight on your issue, but 
don't expect it to do the work for you. Like mm -hmm. there is, it is doing some things in the background that are going to make it easier for you to do the thing you need to do in mm -hmm. terms of the malleability of the way it causes your brain to behave. Right. right. So it's going to make building that new habit easier, totally. but the work's still on your plate. So. Yeah. So much work. Yeah. Especially when you dive back into the world, you mm -hmm. know, you live in a city and mm -hmm. you see the, the 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 darkness that just sort of looms everywhere and, and the, the suffering everywhere and how how deeply entrenched our lives are in it you know you can't just like fix one thing yep. it's it's systemic it's it's everywhere yeah, it's system yeah yeah it's it's and and that's why I, I, I always like, like I, my, my, my business is open mind integration. Like it's all, it all starts here. Yeah. Right. And that, that was also, um, what I was taught the Vedic, Vedic philosophy is everything begins with a thought, mm. everything you see around us that's built and created. It started with an idea, right. you know, a person's initial conscious intention, uh, belief. And so if, you know, what we have around us now is so disharmonious. Mm -hmm. It's probably because our thoughts were, were not yeah. in harmony. Um, so if we want to change everything, the only real practical way to do it is to first change yeah. what's in our mind. Absolutely. It all starts there. I think uh, reading a lot of Carl Jung has gotten me a lot of clarity on this recently, but understanding that the reason people do things they do is most often, I would say like 95% of cases worldwide, the reasons they do the things they do is extremely unclear to them. Mm. They have a reason they've told themselves they're doing the thing they're doing, but then they have mm. a whole set of impulses that are causing them to do the thing they're doing. Mm. When you take these practices on, like meditation, what it gives you an opportunity to do is to analyze what the real root causes of your behaviors are. And this right. is what it's been for me. You get to see like, oh, my parents put that in me. Yeah. Okay, is that something I want to opt into? And yeah. then, only then with clarity, Carl Jung calls it the individuation process. So like the individuated right. person is the only person who can take true action that is fully conscious, fully thought through. And yeah. I think psychedelics and meditation are two of the best tools, journaling yeah. being like the third best tool probably mm. to accomplish this because it gives you such a such a perspective shift, but such a such a chance to look at your own bullshit and to see is this the way I want to continue to behave? Like, yeah. easy example, when I used to drink all the time, when I was 21, 22, I was totally mm -hmm. an alcoholic, be drinking four days a week, partying super hard, and I'd constructed my ego all around being like fun party guy. Mm. And when I did my first large dose of mushrooms, I was like, oh, I'm doing this because I didn't feel enough love as a kid. So I'm seeking out love through all of these artificial constructions I've put yeah. up of, I know where the good party is, I'm with the cute girl, like all of these pieces I've constructed my ego. And yeah. through that sick dog's days, I could see like, I had the experience of like dissolving completely into the universe and having every molecule of my being being surrounded by complete unconditional love. And I was yeah. like, oh, Oh, that's within me at all times. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to act like this anymore. And it was almost like a light switch over yeah. the course of the next, I did three more ceremonies over the next six months and I was just like, 
Awesome. Okay, cool. I, I love how you get these visions that are so visceral and real mm -hmm. of connectedness and how there's a literal like physical coral or like, parallel mm -hmm. in your brain. Your your brain is literally more connected yeah, exactly. and like more neural networks are communicating and and so it it's bringing you to that reality that yeah we're connected right. and and that is the essence of love mm -hmm. that's why it always comes back to that's why like that's always the the sort of the 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 end message of of everyone's experience when they go to those states of consciousness when you're connected it that is what love is right. it's that drive to connect with a person or a thing or just the universe in yeah. general and that's that's just our natural state so yeah no wonder like our egos are they're sort of they're still sort of like trying to go there it's just if we don't if we don't keep in mind that there's so much more uh than than just like having this one little sliver of our consciousness um pursuing that then it can lead us to some kind of unhealthy situations absolutely for me it's been removing the idea that that I can do anything external to generate love and embracing the idea that it starts internal totally, totally. and from there it spills out onto everything I touch like yeah this is something psychedelics has given me probably more than any other understanding I've ever had is that you you start within and you you I don't like to say create because I think it's always there you unblock the faucet of internal love and you get that flowing yeah because we have all these blocks from our parents from traumas that have happened to us all the things that have happened to us and yeah. once you unblock that then that faucet's on and you're like, oh, yeah shit. okay that's generating self-love yeah cool from there i can act because i'm not acting out of fear of you not liking me i'm not acting out of all these other little weird neuroses we get yeah i'm just acting out of how can I give this to others? Yeah, and fear is the opposite. Right. It's, it is the blockage. And, and like, I, I don't want to, like, demonize fear because I think, you know, there, I, I sort of see it as, like, you know, a river flows mm -hmm. and, like, sometimes a river, like, takes some turns mm -hmm. because there is an obstruction there. And, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, not necessarily a bad thing because it's still going to find another way to flow. Mm -hmm. So, like... You know, certain fears keep us from, like, going to places that maybe wouldn't right. wouldn't be like sustainable. Yeah. Um, but I think you run into a problem when you start building fears all over the place. You build right. a dam of fear, and then you, the flow stops completely. And and I think that's where a lot of us get to is is we get so caught up in in, in the fears because there's always something to be afraid of. Right. Like, I can find something right now on my phone. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. All at any moment of your life, if you think hard enough about it, if you put that much intention into fear, you will find something. Yep. So, but on the other hand, you can also find something to um, to to love mm -hmm. as well, yeah. right? There's exactly. always a there's always an opportunity to make a a connection. Mm -hmm. So, ultimately, it's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. So, so the more often, yeah, you um, kind of go the direction of love and um, just keep that in mind that the more, yeah, you'll, you'll keep those blockages free and right. keep the, the flow going. I find it so uh, important. One of my friends is a medical doctor 
in Toronto, mm. Kave, and he uh, he's dealing with a lot of stuff right now, obviously, because of the coronavirus there. He's, like, front lines. Yeah, but yeah. He works a lot with internal family systems, um, which is, like, a... It's called a psychological framework for how to treat clients, and one of the... Oh. I think MAPS is starting to work with this as their primary mode of understanding some parts of the psychedelic experience because okay. what internal family systems teaches us is that you have different parts inside of you and like you have like protectors that are there to keep you from pain and you have firefighters oh. that are there to... Ex- is this the parts language? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I had, I had a friend who um, she had borderline personality disorder and mm. Her therapist taught her parts language, and she found yeah. it really helped. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, and what's really interesting is that when you start to look at your own mind through this framework, you can start to acknowledge the pieces of you and go, for example, fear. Like, mm-hmm. I almost look at fear as like, okay, let me honor the millions of years of evolution that have gotten me to where I am right now that's causing this fear to arise. Cool. I can honor that part of me that's trying to protect me and I can go, hey, you can soften back now. Mm -hmm. I don't need that right at this moment. There isn't a real danger. There's just an imaginary danger because we don't have any, not any, but we don't have many real dangers in this spot right now. So let me soften that fear back and let me look at this objectively and go, okay, what do I want to do? And I find it it's a useful way to look at the mind through the psychedelic experience because you have a a framework into understanding how the mind tends to work, which is different parts of you get... Let me see if I can phrase this in a way that makes good sense. It's almost as if you leave different parts of you behind at different par- points in your life when something happens and that's like a little kid trapped in your head that's terrified or Mm -hmm. joyful or whatever pattern was learned and when you acknowledge it in this way you can then go internally and look at that part of yourself and go like hey what's going on five-year-old alex that learns that it's not okay to run down the street where is this coming from oh the fear is there okay let me acknowledge that yeah because otherwise things can take over and if you're not aware Mm -hmm. That it's just a part of you, you may mistake it for being the whole of you. The whole of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's critical, and just building self awareness in, in general mm-hmm. probably helps with that. And yeah, keeping keeping the whole brain potential functioning. I mean, that's 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 sort of the language I'm coming back to a lot more now. Like, um, I, I recently did a nutrition workshop, and um, I found that. I could speak a lot about um, your relationship to food in terms of like how like our our default mode, our ego mm-hmm. is oftentimes the the one part that is in control of of what takes you to what food habits. Right. But if you regularly engage, you know your your sort of your total brain function, you know through altered states of consciousness and. Um, then then you're you're able to reference you know oh it's it maybe this part's part wants that but there are other parts of me that you know may not be in harmony with that Mm. and 
Um, so, so really it just comes down to, Hey, let's, let's maximize our potential. You know, yeah. let's not keep ourselves limited in this box. Cause, cause you know, the evidence is even very clear now. The, the normal kind of, uh, sober resting state brain is very constrained. There's right. only a few parts that are in charge of everything else mm-hmm. and, and are, are most often filtering a whole bunch of stuff out mm-hmm. and, and like literally shutting down certain parts of the brain from coming to our conscious awareness. And, and that's, that's, that's very useful. Right. We need that. But if we never break out of that, we're, we're foregoing so much of our, our potential. Yeah. It's just, it, it really is that simple. And it, it, it amazes me, like, the mainstream field of psychology and psychiatry doesn't embrace this more. Right. right? Like, the tools it's, are there. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it's coming slowly but surely as people yeah. read. Like, they had a, they did a study that, I think it was psilocybin. And are you familiar with the Big Five personality model? Um, uh, which one is that? It's the newest, most updated one that they think is currently the most accurate. So it's oh, like five different yeah, personalities, five, di- five dimensions. Oh, dimensions, okay. And then you're a certain amount of it or not. So there's openness, uh, extroversion, conscientiousness, and two others that I'm just gonna forget. But they're not important. Oh, so Myers is that Myers Briggs? Yeah, but so what they did, they adopt they. There's one dimension that's added, and they everything's on a scale so you could be like 90 percent trade openness or four percent in which case you're just extraordinarily closed off to new ideas okay so the interesting one is trade openness because they found with psilocybin there's a one standard deviation bump oh right and they've never seen that before and they're just like nothing else does nothing does that yeah Yeah. and what's so interesting about it is like that's literally what you were just talking about. That's your brain opening up to mm-hmm. new possibilities, allowing all the information to come in and not doing this like yeah. single narrow focus that most people are on. Yeah. Just like when I saw that study, I said, oh, yeah, that fucking makes sense. Like, yeah. Cool, I get that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unprecedented. Right. And like so much of like the disagreements that we have, the prejudices, like, you know, you, you, can, you can spend two seconds on social media and find some angry poster mm-hmm. And it's always just a person like having a perspective, which is valid, but simply not being open to right. the, the possibility of anything else being valid as well. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's essentially the reality is every perspective is valid to the perceiver. Right. And it, that's, if, if we can just understand that one thing, mm-hmm. like be in, and it's unfortunately not just like an intellectual thing, like, like right. just, just thinking about it isn't enough. It's a state of, state of consciousness, right. being able to, 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 from moment to moment, recognize that a person's perspective is based on everything that they've experienced. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I mean, like I, I certainly slip up on it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I get into these rants, I'm like, oh, you're wrong, yeah, yeah. I'm right. And, like we, we have that like just instincts and uh, our, when our ego is in control, it's natural, but right. there is a lot more than that. There's yes. so much more. <laughs> I find I have a hard and fast rule. My one rule of social media is I don't argue on social media. Yeah. Oh, I, I refuse to do it. It's a bad road it's, to go down. It's a, just a rabbit hole you fall <laughs> into for days. Um, yeah, nothing good comes out of that. But I find like it's a lot easier for me to access that place of compassion in person like I don't have these same type of arguments you see on yeah. in person yeah or if you do it's extraordinarily rare but 
the question I like to ask myself internally is what, what would this person have to have had experienced for them to have the perspective? Exactly. And when you yeah. ask that question, it turns off the part of your brain that goes like, I can't believe this person, abortion's my favorite one. It's such a touchy topic. Mm. People, and I've got my own views that it's a woman's right to choose. I'll out myself. It's, <laughs> it's their right to choose. But what I try to have compassion for is the other viewpoint. We always look at things in these black and white terms. So it's like, People who think that we shouldn't have abortion, it's not that they think a woman shouldn't have a right to choose about her body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They think babies are dying. Yeah. They're, so, they're seeing it from a totally yeah, different angle. And they're fired up as if babies are dying. So that's yeah. why there's so like so much zealotry on that side. Yeah. Is they're willing to threat. fight to the death right. for it. You're killing babies. Yeah. And it's when you can come at it with that perspective, you can understand someone who has that perspective and not be like, oh my God, you hate women. You go, mm-hmm. oh, you think this. And, you know, maybe here's some data of why you're misinformed. Yeah. But when you approach with compassion, it's also just a better way to get someone to understand you. Like, yeah. then they're actually listening when you go, hey, I understand that you think this is happening. And they mm-hmm. go, okay, now I feel heard and I feel seen because yeah. you acknowledged what I think and why I think it. And I go, here are some things I'd like you to look into. And then, yeah, which is a lot harder when you're just communicating through a screen uh-huh. exactly like like no matter how much maybe you want to sound compassionate the other person could take your words a completely different way yeah, absolutely you know and yeah it's it's so critical to like if you if you can sit face to face with a person there's so much body language and mm-hmm. facial expressions and just general kind of presence that communicates like if if you feel love in your heart mm-hmm. it's it's gonna get through right. to the other person exactly. like even if they don't want it they can't help but like, oh, okay, they're they're not, okay. they don't hate me. Okay, right. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because we, I think the audience is a big problem. So like, if you if you and I are having a touchy conversation and it's just you and I, mm-hmm. we're going to handle it in a way that is much more positive than even if we have one other person here. As soon as we have one other person here, we're both kind of mm-hmm. arguing each other, but we're also arguing to win over that person. Sure, and man. social media feels as if you have unlimited people watching because you kind of do. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's arguing to be right because if they're wrong, yeah. air quotes, then they lose all of this social points that yeah. they think they're getting. Then it's just right. kind of a competition right. and just about just, winning. You see it like that. That's how it plays out. It's like yeah, yeah. you'll see someone like link 10 studies and the person just responds back, no, fuck you, science isn't real. And you're like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why just don't do it. Right, like, exactly. It's not like worth it. Use social media to put out information and like connect with people, mm-hmm. but yeah, like fighting and, and, and arguing just it doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. Like you're just not gonna get through to somebody. So it entrenches them more in their view probably. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, Oh, well, that person was an asshole. So I Yeah, it gives them right. more reasons to like like construct this idea of who you are in terms of like what they don't like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Try to keep those connections and that's certainly hard nowadays where we're we're being forced into isolation, mm-hmm. but um, I, I've been pretty inspired to see a lot of positivity out there. People are like, okay, we've got this situation, but let's find ways around it to stay connected. And yeah. um, like people are doing like online yoga yeah. sessions. And I think there's even people doing sound meditation yeah. online, which kind of, kind of blows my mind. Cause yeah. like the whole point of like sound meditation is sort of have the, the actual sound, yeah, yeah. but 
when it's coming through a speaker, it's a little different. Yeah, but not getting the vibration quite the same way. Yeah, but. it's a different vibration. But you know, I think the the presence of of knowing that there's someone there at the same time doing the same thing as you, that's something. That's yeah. that's connection. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of like community Zoom calls with just cool. It's cool, people yeah. I know, and yeah. like, how can we get on, get some FaceTime, see right each on. other, yeah, and get a chance to connect? Because it is, it's like one of the. It's one of the human drivers for connection. Like, yeah. it's a really powerful driver because we lived in communities for our entire evolution. So mm. when you take that away, people have some weird shit come up. So it's like, absolutely yeah. through difficult times like this, and I should timestamp this podcast, middle of coronavirus in Minnesota. Yeah. It's <laughs> the seventeenth of March today, and yeah. They just announced the the state of emergency and the governor called for all restaurants and bars to be shut down. So everyone's in isolation, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) Which hopefully, hopefully we look back at this podcast a year from now and we go, oh man, things got way better. Yeah. Things are probably going to get a little bit worse before they get better. God, I mean, I hope it gets better before a year because we've had like, we had like a whole bunch of events planned out for this summer mm-hmm. like it was gonna be like the summer of the psychedelic society we had yeah. a lot of cool stuff like we were uh i mean maybe we can still do it but like we, we were gonna do a thing with shane moss mm-hmm. um which we're really excited about yeah, like yeah. like to to be able to have that kind of exposure and experience with um combining like this world of comedy mm-hmm. with with psychedelics yeah, and fun too. um and then we're we're trying to get a, a decriminalized nature event um because we're going to be having some um, some pretty big announcements coming up yeah. soon. Um, there, there's there's a lot of people in in city government that are like they're like down with yeah, it. Like, <laughs> so um, I mean we're we're gonna do some sort of online thing, but um, like we you know this is something that a lot of people can get behind, mm-hmm. and and like I, we've noticed like like psychedelic society has been like really cool for like small kind of groups of people who are really devoted to this this um, exploration of consciousness Um, but the decriminalized nature thing seems to speak to people in general like even if they're not like super hyped about like spirituality or expanding their consciousness they recognize hey this is common sense right nature should not like this stuff's growing like Right. right there um, and, and, you know, it, 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 it goes into, you know, all kinds of plants mm-hmm. out there. And, um, so it's just a matter of sort of like freedom and liberation and, um, hopefully we can still do something. Yeah. Um, cause, cause the, the local community here in Minnesota, I think is primed and ready for some kind of like collective gathering mm-hmm. of, of, uh, you know, um, getting back to nature and, yeah. and like, like, like using, using the parts of it that are, are important to us, especially yeah. for our consciousness. So. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the way that the coronavirus shakes out for a lot of us, for community as a whole, it's going to be really, really devastating in a lot of ways, but we don't need to focus on that piece. We focus on what we can do. And what I'm hoping is that it shifts people's mindset in general in such a way that they are more conscious and seeking community and connection in a more significant way because yeah. they 
realize in this period of isolation that, wow, that's really important. Yeah. We should be taking good care of our neighbors. We should be having healthcare available to people. Yeah. There's a lot of these things that I'm cautiously optimistic are going to be a big boon right after this period of time where there'll be just kind of a general awareness of like, okay, we yeah. should probably focus on stuff that matters. And, oh, wait, we had a law that mushrooms are illegal? Well, that's stupid. Yeah, Let's that's stupid. Get rid of that. <laughs> get rid of that one and work on the stuff that's actually important. Because yeah, yeah. we find ourselves in a time of crisis like this that, like, what are all the resources going to? And why weren't they going to things that we actually needed to prepare for? Yeah. So. Yeah, like one thing that really hits me is, like, this, uh, this boundary we have to put up with physical contact now. Mm-hmm. Like, we... We literally have to like look at other people as these like, like dirty toxic yeah, things that yeah. can't touch each other and like keep like a distance and, um, man, that really that that hits hard, you know. It's like, like you you maybe don't realize like what how important it is to you and uh, until like you're being told not to do it. Right. So yeah, I I I know for me at least like I I definitely appreciate that more now seeing what what really happens if like just the prospects of like this going on for an extended period like yep. I'm like geez man mm-hmm. can I really like live like that for that mm-hmm. long and yeah hopefully hopefully we can figure it out soon enough to yeah. sort of get back in into our um, normal world but hopefully better than better than yeah. before yeah. Yeah. yeah I think sometimes these wake-up calls are necessary because speaking for my own life and I'm assuming your life as well, we've gone through a dramatically peaceful time of existence where we didn't live through a great depression. We didn't live through world war one. We didn't live through world war two. So in terms of like span of history, yes, there have been things that have been super fucked up, but a lot has been very peaceful for a very long time. This is the first thing I felt, at least. Maybe September 11th could be put in the same category, but that wasn't extended and ongoing in the same way that this is. This is the first mm-hmm. thing that's really caused a sort of perspective shift of, damn, all right, well, how well do I know, like, both my neighbors on both sides? And if they needed help, like, would they have a way to reach out to me? Yeah. Or how well do I know my community? Where can I show up to help others? Because yeah. these times of crisis bring it can bring out the best in people where it brings out the parts of us that want to show up in community because we realize like even though we can't touch each other this is the way we can get through this it's like yeah hey mom dad do you guys know about this be careful if you need me to bring groceries over i got you like things like that where we can show up and it it's humanizing to me at least i'd like to see more of that too because it's it's not just the the virus situation you know there's a lot of kind of potential for um like political unrest mm. and there's a lot of divisiveness right now and people disagreeing and like getting stuck in their perspectives so um yeah if we can start kind of considering you know if things do get bad and we're surrounded by a bunch of people we disagree with and can't see the perspective mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to work together yeah so hey maybe maybe we'll chill out on some of our kind of stubborn ideas and and instead try to see from other people's perspectives and and again like yeah just getting stepping outside of your your normal conscious awareness of of just 
uh, your ego perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, unfortunately, it does take kind of some intervention to do that. Yeah. Like a lot of people's lives, like I've been finding um, a lot of the people that come to us through the Psychedelic Society, you know, they're, they're not just coming to us because they're interested in psychedelics. They're coming to us because they, they want that experience. Right. And it's really tough for some people um, to just like start meditating very seriously mm-hmm. or to even like um, go to a, like a sound meditation thing. All yeah. of those have been really popular and yeah. people seem to uh, want to do that. But, um, you know, even so, uh, a big problem that I'm seeing is uh, some people's lives are just, just, just too entrenched in uh, a world where everything around them sort of demands that you stay in that one state of consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just not enough opportunities out there to go outside of that. And there's yeah. even stigma too, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, we, we, uh, we use this idea of psychosis even to pathologize states of consciousness that could be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of fear around going outside of that. You know, a lot of the people who, um, like I meet a lot of, um, like couples, mm. uh, where one person seek has like had a psychedelic yeah. experience, the other hasn't, and it creates a sort of rift between them. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's an opportunity, but yeah. it, it's also tough. It just shows like the the kind of um, um, preconceptions that can go into something that changes your your state of consciousness and like i can relate to that i remember before i had ever tried any kind of psychoactive substance i was scared to death of it yeah i was willing to believe any kind of bullshit about like oh it'll make you crazy it'll make you jump off this you'll do that yeah yeah like any possibility is out there especially when the cultural narrative Mm -hmm. is going in one direction and and so like i get it like your mind is the most intimate thing Mm -hmm. that you that you have and um, but at the same time, like it can work against you yeah. so bad. Like mm-hmm. I mean, we're all stuck in these, like these, these, these patterns of addiction and, and rumination, depression, anxiety. We all have these, these issues that is really just our own mind working yeah. against us. So, you know, if you never step out of that, you're, 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 you're going to, you're, you're going to always be stuck in, in sort of self-harm yeah. unintentionally. People almost have a... I've seen this a lot, clients that I've worked with, where people have a, often have a, almost attachment to their suffering, let's say. Yeah, totally. Because within these type of experiences, the reason that a psychedelic experience or deep meditation or some insights about yourself are so scary to some people is they equate to accepting that you've been doing things wrong for a very long period of time. Absolutely. And that's extremely painful. I think it's yeah. Jordan Peterson has a quote about this. That it's like when you start to, when you start to light the fire of self-awareness, it has to burn away all the things that were just your ego yeah. and were bullshit. It's and painful. for a lot of us, that's 99% of us mm-hmm. and 1% of us is the true you, but it's really painful to burn away 99% of who you are so it's this is where I think psychedelics are such a useful tool is that you can get someone to that experience in a single experience whereas meditation while extremely powerful Mm -hmm. the people that are really resistant to meditation I often think you will have difficulty getting them to meditate for long enough 
to get some of the insights they need to get out of meditation. Yeah, and oftentimes the beginning of that process is really uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Like, because because um, when you when you block out like your external attention, your ego actually gets stronger. Yeah, your your <laughs> all those up. yeah yeah all of those like self critical thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's all there is, yep. and if a lot of those self-critical thoughts have like trauma and mm-hmm. pain in them and self-doubt, fear. Oh, that can be a little too much. Yep. Like to just sit there, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just sitting here. What am I doing? Like it's fucking stupid. I'm yeah. stupid. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many people have lived a long life of that, building all that stuff up and they need a little bigger, bigger push to, uh, to, right. to start to face that stuff. And, Luckily, it's built into the substances, and particularly the mushrooms has its effect on the amygdala that it helps you face those those tough things. Yeah. And it's it's this wonderful process of like seeing the darkness in you, but then coming out the other end, you know, having more of that like one percent of you that's that's real, mm-hmm. kind of shining through. It's a beautiful thing, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So, okay, identified early on for myself that's one of the biggest levers we can pull as a society right now to Mm. help shift some of the manifestations of mental illness some of the manifestations of anxiety some of the manifestations of depression that are in record numbers right now and it as a society, here's what I here's what I think it is. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this as well. But what I think it is is we're an extraordinarily advanced technological society, so we've developed a myriad of amazing coping and numbing mechanisms. Yeah. Which I think I, I like what uh, Gabor Mate says about this. It's to like honor your coping mechanism and not like shame it. So to just say like, well. It was a good idea the first time I was really traumatized to mm. play video games right afterwards because that's how I coped with it. But it mm. wasn't a good idea to play video games 12 hours a day for 20 days after that. Like, yeah. That was negative, <laughs> but to honor the first piece. But as a society, we've developed these coping mechanisms that are extraordinarily powerful, so they really work in a way, but they're extraordinarily short-lived or you have to keep repeating them. They don't... They're not... That's why they're called coping mechanisms. They help you cope in that moment. They don't sure, fix. Yeah. And so I think psychedelics are this thing that allows us to get back to something that we perhaps previously living in smaller societies had a more intuitive understanding of, which is what's going on internally. And you didn't really have a chance to like cope with it. You just had to kind of fucking deal with your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Make the change. <laughs> Good yeah. luck working a field for 10 hours during the day with no music, no sound and not like, going through your own mind and thinking shit like yeah you're not gonna be able to avoid your ego for that long they're like okay i actually gotta like i just gotta work through this (laughs) i gotta think through this Um, yeah and i i agree i i I think it's a combination of having a plethora of coping mechanisms mm -hmm. available but also a severe deficit of repair mechanisms yes like we 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 use what is available to us and when our society makes it so easy like all of the cheapest, most available things out there are also the quickest, most unsustainable fixes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we, we have all psychedelic substances being schedule one, 
you know, no medical value, you know, totally prohibited. And the field of psychiatry being almost entirely uh, using symptom suppressive treatments, um, then you you start to just think that that's all there is. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's no wonder we get stuck in these patterns of just, just, just do a, do something to, to help right now. And even if that doesn't get me through to the future, uh, maybe that's all there is. And, and I mean, that's, that's why I think we need to do stuff like this, break that narrative. Like, Mm -hmm. look, there really is a way, like there's like totally like there's, there's another like, like bright, like future there that we totally can have. It's literally at our fingertips. It's just a matter of, Hey, let's, let's try something new, you know, like, let's look at what we're missing and, you know, try that out. Like maybe that is the the sort of the, the, the gap in the system. What I'm I'm loving through podcasts and through things like the psychedelic society here in Minneapolis, that we, we're creating increasing amounts of access points for people to understand things about yeah. different plant medicines, different psychedelics, whatever we want to call them, that yeah. they, they get a chance to actually gain some new information, but also simultaneously gain a community of people who can speak to them. This is one of the powers of podcasts, one of the powers of visual media as well. It's like, if I can share my story and you can share your story, someone else can see themselves in that story and go, oh, wow, I was kind of like that. And you got through it. How? Mm -hmm. Oh, three mushroom trips in a row. Interesting. Okay, what were the circumstances in which you did them? Be safe, et cetera, et cetera. But, okay, now I have a path forward because often I've found in my most depressed moments, the depression comes from the circumstances, but more than the circumstances surrounding me, it comes from the thought that there's no clear path forward for Mm -hmm. me to get out of that. Yeah. And when you have a path forward, you can be inspired a little bit again and go like, oh shit, okay, light at the end of the tunnel. Let me run towards that. Yeah. You start to feel good about even just the moving towards it. It's totally a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's not just the psychedelics, it's literally all built into us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the psychedelics can be necessary in some situations, mm-hmm. but it's it's all stuff that our brain was designed to do. Yeah. Like like I mean, there's there's enough evidence to assume DMT is actually created in our own brains. Right. And so, um, and, and a lot of the correlation there is the finding that you're more likely to create DMT in times of extreme stress. Mm, interesting. And so it it's no wonder that uh, when you go through some sort of crisis, whether it be mm. like a health crisis or a period of loss, like mm. loss of a loved one, or 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 even the opposite, when you see when you experience something really positive and mm. you know you go through something really ecstatic, you tend to change your perspective. Yeah. You, you tend to question things. You tend to to want to try something new. And that's that, you know, that endogenous neuroplasticity kicking in. And so it's, it's all like what psychedelics do to us. It's, it's not something foreign and strange. It's, it's exactly what our brains are supposed to do. It's just that when we have a substance that can do it, we can be a little bit more in control of the circumstances, which can, which can be really, really helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I think it, it, it gives people a chance to just 
to have an experience in which it would take a year of meditating to get to, or to have an experience in which it would take this super stressful circumstance to get to, and they can have this experience mm -hmm. that causes them to shift to their perspective, and even if it's just, like, I love the analogy of, like, if you shift the way your path is heading by one degree, but then you extend the timeline to, like, I don't know, 40 years from now, mm. this new path you're on is so far away from where your original path would have been. So, oh, just, yeah. so often these, I don't know if you've found the same thing, but what I found for myself is like for diet and fitness even, man, a psychedelic experience gives me, has given me insight into why I had negative patterns around those things. And that was enough to shift them. And then once my diet and fitness are in better order, mm -hmm. I'm feeling better all the time. I have more energy to meditate. Yeah. And then I'm meditating. And now that I'm meditating, I should start journaling. And these things all stack together until you've created who you want to be. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like every every sort of mushroom trip I do, it it kind of checks all of the things I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And it's it, it kind of measures it up like, okay... This stuff has been working like, oh, yeah, like I feel uh, like I should keep doing that. It seems to be helping. It, it just it sort of like gives me a barometer mm -hmm. of, 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 you know, this path that I'm on. Should, should I adjust it a little bit mm -hmm. or keep going? And it's such a helpful tool. Yeah, I, I love for me. It's the same. It's like I use almost exactly the same terminology. It's mm -hmm. the way for me to check in sans ego and go is what i'm doing what i should really be doing or have i let shit creep in where ooh, now i'm running the podcast because these bad reasons that aren't actually yeah, yeah. positive so yeah. it's like a little <laughs> fucking check-in to go yeah why am i doing what i'm doing is it right is this path where i want to be going and yeah when you continually check in and you are headed in the right direction you get better identifying your own mind mm. i actually think people start to need it less and less like often the cadence or at least the cadence for me and the cadence for a lot of people i've heard of is quite a few ceremonies at the beginning and then they become more sparse because you become more aware of yourself so you don't have the same you're not digging up all the old traumas like perhaps you are near the beginning. Totally. You've worked through some of that and now it's just more of a check-in so you can really slow that cadence down and not, For sure. get, not feel reliant on it. Yeah, yeah, and coming back to like what we were talking about coping mechanisms, I think, uh, you know, if we lived in a more idealistic society, a society closer to nature, mm -hmm. you know, less consumed with technology and all the conveniences, mm -hmm. We probably wouldn't need uh, psychedelics in such a sort of regular way, but I think because we live in a world where uh, the most available things are the quick, unsustainable fixes, mm -hmm. we do need these other tools that give us a more regular check-in, right. expanding our perspective for a moment, letting us kind of see things from a, a kind of a, a, a more overview. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've felt for a long time that uh, the, the entheogenic plants and substances are kind of the antidote mm. to modern, um, modern suffering. Yeah. Cause when you, when you look at like the statistics of, of depression, anxiety, addiction, they are the highest in the most developed countries, mm -hmm. the most technologically right. advanced countries have the worst yeah. situation. It'd be the opposite, but you know? it's not. <laughs> yeah. And so you can't help but think, okay, there must be some kind of causality mm -hmm. there. And, and so, yeah, on one hand, the advancement of modern societies gives us a lot of cool stuff. I yeah. mean, all of this, uh, but on the other hand, 
there's something that is really imbalanced there. And I, I feel very strongly that being able to have access to um, very distinct states of consciousness uh, whenever you need it, uh, it's, it's, it's really the key to like continuing down this, this, this path that we've created right. as a, as a, as a, a culture and a species. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've, we've got to, we've got to like make it more available to yeah, people. Absolutely. Well, and I think as it becomes more available, some of the, some of the stigmas and some of the negative stereotypes about it that we we're talking about earlier go away because Here's the thing, because psychedelics have been forced so underground for so mm -hmm. long, mm -hmm. people don't know how they should take them. They don't even know what set yeah. and setting means. I've had a lot of people go like, set, what is that? Like the, the things you set in the room? I'm like, no, my, think of it, yeah, mindset. mindset yeah, right. Yeah. Like, oh, and setting, like what's that? It's like everything in the room, but also who else is in the room? Yeah. Who's your facilitator? Who's helping you through this? What music do you have on? Like totally. these keystone pieces that people don't understand just because lack of knowledge because it's been forced underground. So it's like mm -hmm. we've almost even had a, a higher prevalence of negative outcomes as few as far between as they've been simply because people have no idea. Like, yeah, yeah. you take two hits of LSD in the middle of fucking 100,000 person music festival. There's a there's a there's a chance you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, a lot of variables there. Yeah, that's a lot to deal with. You could run into the wrong sequence of four people in a row and have a really bad time. Yeah, yeah. Small ceremony of six people, a little bit different. Yeah. You've got a little more control over the circumstance. You yeah. Know, a little more sure about what's going to happen. And that's the, that's the really cool thing about psychedelics is you get, you get out of it what you put into mm -hmm. it. If, if, you, if you can really uh, craft the experience down to the T, you're gonna get that much out of it. Right. It's such a beautiful process, and and all these questions of risk and, and danger with psychedelics are are just totally addressed in that one concept. Yep. If it, and the, I think the problem with that being accepted is is because our mainstream state of medicine and drugs is is oh just take the pill and you, that's it yep right just as long as you take the pill every day you don't have to worry about anything else and yeah that that works for symptom-based and disease-based mm -hmm. treatments but if you're gonna go to the root of you know all the all your issues mm -hmm. you need to take into account everything and, and that's a totally new paradigm right it's totally new but it's also a paradigm that will help with everything in general yeah. we just are aware of our surroundings more and yeah, that's that's gonna help in general. <laughs> yeah, so. it, one of the reasons I'm such a I'm so proselytizing about about psychedelics is because they have this ripple effect. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know many people who take psychedelics on a semi regular basis that throw garbage outside. I don't know many people that take psychedelics mm -hmm. on a semi regular basis that are generally shitty people because of unawareness so yeah. like these things have ripple effects into everything else that we're worried about right now the environment like man it's a stereotype of like the dirty hippie that cares about the environment that takes drugs all the time it's also <laughs> a stereotype for a reason in that when you start to do some of the self-work and you start to see that things are connected and we're seeing it now more than ever mm -hmm. you go oh 
I need to take care of the environment also because taking care of the environment is taking care of me yep. at the same time. <laughs> Back around. Yeah. yeah, and the same goes with other people. You know, rather than put like uh, prejudice and, and hate mm -hmm. out there, you know then that's just going to come back to you. Mm -hmm. So it just doesn't make sense. Even from a totally selfish perspective. Yeah. Like you don't even have to like make it altruistic. If you think about it just in terms of what's going to help me, mm -hmm. what's going to help you is going to help me too. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're an altruist or mm -hmm. selfish. If you see that everything's connected, you're, gonna, you're still going to want to help everybody. Absolutely. Agreed. We're getting close to the end of time here. Sure, sure. Blue by. Um, what is the thing or things right now that you're the most excited about mm. in terms of maybe projects you're working on or just general things you see going on in the scientific community or sure. what's, what's lighting your fire right now? Okay. Um, well, I guess on a local level, um, yeah, just, just seeing the community building up, um, uh, I, we recently formed a board of directors with the Psychedelic Society, and um, and we we were we're really seeing kind of the opportunities come in. Um, uh, a lot of the other communities out there that that kind of have um, a sort of peripheral connection to psychedelics are getting in touch with us now, mm -hmm. and so we're seeing this like network grow mm -hmm. in in just the Twin Cities area. Like the uh, ecstatic dance people, the yoga people, the energy workers and healers. Um, who else? Uh, and I was like, like I was saying, the 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 world of comedy is really mm -hmm. into psychedelics right yeah. now, um, and it just seems like this beautiful like mycelial network. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. uh, bringing everything together. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of big chunk of my world right now is 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 just um organizing of event events with the psychedelic society and um uh, creating uh, bridges between other uh, communities um and the decriminalized nature thing like i mentioned mm -hmm. we're 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 there's going to be some news coming out soon yeah. so stay tuned for sure like uh minneapolis is is going to be um kind of on the map uh which will be cool but um, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, I guess kind of in a, a, a bigger world of like uh, psychedelic science and stuff, um, I would say that um, the, the clinical studies I think are pretty clear, like we know I think a lot of what we're going to know about that. At this point, I think it's just a matter of doing it, right? You know, like we just need to just get it to the people. Yeah. Um, so what excites me more so is the kind of beyond normal state, like, like, like cl clinical work is important to get people from a state of suffering to a state of like mm -hmm. functioning, mm -hmm. but I think psychedelics can go a lot further. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's this exploratory aspect mm -hmm. of, of, um, expanding our awareness to places that I don't think we're a lot of us even believe is possible. Right. Um, and I think more of that work will come out. Um, the, uh, the extended state DMT people, uh, I did a little presentation on it recently. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to begin their studies soon with, um, this, this method of injecting DMT yeah. in a 
continuous infusion, uh, basically keeping you in a that visionary state yeah, for as long as you want. It's, it's <laughs> so wild to me. Yeah, it's base. It's like the most extreme form of like of of psychonautics. Yeah. you know. I'm like, curious how they got approval <laughs> to do it. Like, was it just lack of knowledge of the people approving? Not that it's a bad thing, but like, if if the person approving the study was like full knowledge of what it is. Yeah. I'm like. Well, they're, 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 they're using, they're, they're doing everything they can to kind of screen their participants. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a, an entire training program yeah. where they're looking at, like, they're essentially looking for the, like, ideal human specimen. Mm-hmm. Like, someone who has dealt with their trauma right. and, like, fully integrated their, their, their spiritual yeah. experience. Like, yeah, every aspect of health mm-hmm. just, like... At, at the maximum potential because I think that's really what it takes like again like there's this like use of psychedelics to bring you from suffering to normal yeah. which which they do very well yeah. um, but uh, sometimes I use the term like ultra normal yeah like sure. there's there's a, so much beyond that um, and like I I mean I I'm, I'm not saying that because I th- I think that's like where I'm at. I still have a lot of work to do um, to get up to a state of like good health and everything. Um, but yeah, like I think there's you know there's so much to stay excited about. And, um, and but but I guess more on a personal level. Um, uh, again, my business, Open Mind Integration. I work with people to integrate like the the health of practical life, like food and. Uh, lifestyle choices, you know, your sleeping habits, mm-hmm. even your microbial health. Um, and I'm finding that like getting people to make the necessary changes to improve that kind of stuff, it really does come down to changing your, your conscious awareness, mm-hmm. your perspective. Like you just can't make much sustainable change in those very big like concepts of your life mm-hmm. until you you access you know your your full cognitive potential yeah, and absolutely. so so that's that's it's been nice then to bring in the psychedelic integration into that and so um, being able to kind of see people uh, make those connections mm-hmm. has been really exciting for me yeah. to to talk to talk to people in terms of not just hey let's heal trauma and um, expand our awareness but what can I do in my daily life um, that can take my psychedelic experiences and apply it to yeah, that? And absolutely. That's that's it's wonderful, and 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 that's that's everything that sort of helped me get to where I am, and and so um, I, I'd say I'm definitely very passionate about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, sweet. Um, last thing, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. Instagram, Facebook, whatever your preferred. Yeah, I, uh, Instagram is kind of my main thing, I guess. Um, I I'm, I'm most active on there. It's 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 the easiest place to not get into arguments. I find. Yeah, that's why I like it too. <laughs> yeah, right. I tried Facebook, but I mean, all this there's so many so much discussion that uh, it, it's it, it can be dangerous. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I, I mean, like I have like a Facebook account, but my my Instagram is Open Mind Gunlock. Um, and you can basically access all my other stuff through there. Um, uh, I also run the Psychedelic Society Instagram and the Decriminalized Nature. Um, uh, my podcast, uh, Psychedelic Renaissance Podcast, um, we do kind of more of a sort of radio lab style where we sort of 
uh, craft to kind of condense like music infused and like yeah. memes and clips and stuff yeah. um, to yeah just just make it kind of like a, a different sort of experience uh, as opposed to the long form talk mm -hmm. which is which is cool in its own own way and um, but yeah I guess that's 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 um, where all my contacts are my my website also has that openmindintegration.com um, you can access all the same stuff through there too so either one is good perfect awesome well, thank you for being on one thing I like doing at the end of every podcast is I just take a second to honor my guest and say thank you thank you for all the work that you've been doing around the psychedelic movement and all the work I think more so it's one thing to work on a movement, which is amazing, and it's beautiful work, mm -hmm. but it's also the commitment you have to continuing to work on yourself that allows you to be an actual beacon in these types of movements yeah, that yeah. is inspiring, so thank you. Likewise, Alex. Yeah, yeah, you're doing good work here. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Thanks, Philip. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, if you like this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, and you can leave a five-star review if you really enjoyed it, uh, and always share it out with a friend if you can. Uh, all the details for where you can find Chris's info, if you want to contact him, are in the show notes, and you can always reach me at Alexander Diesel on Instagram, but without more talking from me, much love to you all, and I will see you next week.